0: Want to know how Canada's top entrepreneurs think about creating significant wealth? Join me, Thane Stenner, founder of Stenner Wealth Partners at CG Wealth Management and host of the Smart Wealth Podcast. Download today at iHeartRadio or your favourite podcast platform. Subscribe now. Welcome everyone. I'm Thane Stenner, host of the BNN Bloomberg Smart Wealth Podcast, which is a monthly podcast where I get the honour and pleasure to interview some pioneers and innovators in different industries and backgrounds. So I'm very excited to be with you today. My special guest is Jonathan Medved, all the way from Jerusalem. So welcome, Jonathan.
1: It's great to be here, Zane. Thank you.
0: You're very welcome. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this session, uh, especially given your background and your expertise and your experience level. So uh, for those of you who don't know Jonathan Medved, he's the founder and CEO of OurCrowd, the leading online global venture investment platform. Um. So I'll give you a little bit of his background and bio first, and then we'll launch right into some questions with him. So Jonathan was named by the Washington Post as one of Israel's leading high-tech venture capitalists, and also by the New York Times amongst the top 10 most influential Americans who have impacted Israel. Jonathan is a serial entrepreneur, as you'll hear uh, more in this interview, and uh, uh, just an avid investor in the VC uh, uh, ecosystem one of the pioneers of Israel's venture capital industry. He's a California native. And when he was in his 20s, he moved to Israel and successfully uh, built and exited several startups. Actually, uh, too numerous to name, but had a very successful early on uh, part of his career. And he's continued that uh, throughout till today. Jonathan is a regular television guest on CNN, uh, BBC, CNBC. Uh, Bloomberg TV in the U.S. and Sky News, and is frequently quoted in major business publications. Startup Nation, the best-selling book on Israel's high-tech economy, describes Medved as one of Israel's legendary business ambassadors. Jonathan, I'm telling you, this is not easy to live up to this uh, reputation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can we just stop at this point, I think? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple more things I got (laughs) to get out (laughs) of
0: Founded in 2013, OurCrowd is the leading online global venture investment platform. And it currently has over 215,000 accredited members and investors, has placed just under $2 billion worth of funding commitments, has uh, invested in 347 portfolio companies, 39 venture funds, and has had 59 successful exits to date. And so some of the major exits uh, within the portfolio of OurCrowd include Beyond Meat's, is trading on NASDAQ, Lemonade, which is a New York Stock Exchange listed company, Arb Robotics, which is also a, uh, a NASDAQ listed company, and many, many others. PitchBook, which is uh, the industry tracking publication that kind of tracks what's going on in the VC community, uh, has ranked, uh, rated our crowd as Israel's most active venture investor every year since 2013. Going back a little ways to 1994, uh, Jonathan was also co-founder of Israel's Seed Partners, one of Israel's first venture capital funds, which invested $260 million in over 60 companies and with many uh, successful uh, investments within that portfolio. So including the OurCrowd portfolio, Jonathan has backed over 400 tech startups as a venture capitalist and angel investor. To say he hasn't been busy in the space would be an, an, an understatement. Uh, Jonathan has served on many boards uh, and, and non-profits, and also many award, uh, distinguished award-winning uh, uh, items to his resume. Uh, serving the Jewish community, so we're we're very very excited uh, to uh, have him here today uh, speak with us. Then lastly, Jonathan lives in. Jerusalem last but not least I should say Jonathan lives in Jerusalem with his wife Jane his four grand sorry four children and 12 grandchildren where he where he also collects rare malts and loud Hawaiian shirts <laughs> so I don't know if you you collect the rare single malts Jonathan because you've got 12
1: grandkids or or no, no, I, just I, have uh, it just it's important I I, I think that a good malt at the right time of the day, usually in the evening. Yes. Is it, uh, you know, an improvement to life and living? Oh,
0: and, well said, uh, well said. Well, welcome once again. Uh, super appreciative. Um, and I, I know you've been extremely busy of late. And, and why don't we just start with that? Um, last week uh, in in Jerusalem, you the hour crowd... Uh, had their annual investor summit, and I think over nine thousand people attended it.
1: Yeah, we it was a little biblical thing. Um, mm. Got to be careful of that in in Jerusalem. Uh, <laughs> it it'll get you. Uh, the group that we put together had people from eighty one countries, mm. uh, and every year until the pandemic. We would gather the tribe, as it were, because, you know, people, in addition to using our crowd as an online investment platform, they want to meet face-to-face with the CEOs of the companies that they're backing. They want to meet other investors. There are about 1,000 multinational corporations who participate in this, who send their sort of tech scouts. There were actually 350 working press there. It was a big deal. I mean, we had the president of Israel, uh, His Honourable Excellency Isaac Herzog, open the conference. Mm. Mayor of Jerusalem was there. U.S. Ambassador Tom Nides, former vice chair at uh, Morgan Stanley, asking him about the recovery and you know Israel-U.S. relations. We had the star of Fauda with the you know the hot Israeli. uh, I watch it. I watch it. Yep. Leor Leo Raz and his partner uh Avi Sakharov, who just mm-hmm. recently had an exit for their production company to Blackstone, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or a Blackstone affiliate. So I don't know, it was it was a wild sort of fun, lots of food. Afterwards, we go to the open air market and drink pretty good malts till the you know, wee hours the night. Uh we had a beautiful cocktail the night before at the Israel Museum, where we got sort of private uh, VIP looks at some of these incredible galleries they have, with their unbelievable collection of antiquities all the way to modern art, and it was just an unbelievable week. Of course, I am ruined. <laughs> okay, <I laughs> a much diminished version of Medved uh, tonight, but I apologize to your people. I put put my you know uh, considerable amount of what what's left of my energy into that event. And, uh, but the problem with all these things is that you bring these people together, you have all this excitement, and then you realize that it's all about the follow up. We literally yes. had 2,000 face to face meetings scheduled at this summit between wow. companies and investors, companies and multinational press interviews. And now all of these 2,000 <laughs> meetings need follow up, most of them, let's say. Yes, yes. Uh, and, uh, that's quite exciting we had our whole team in from around the world our crowd has about 15 offices around the world so it was good it was really a a, a nice event we've been through a 3 year hiatus because of the pandemic we actually did the last one back in 2020 just before the first you know wave hit yep. and and it was great to be back and to give people hugs and just you know sort of be in a crowded environment some people were making the joke that it was really are crowded rather than our crowd. <laughs> uh, but uh all in all it was great people had a good time most of them have gone home and uh, i'm hoping to get a couple days off of my wife soon
0: no oh, well i promise not to be too taxing today on you but uh again thanks for making it i know it's in the evening your time there but uh uh, and, and before we went on, uh, the, the picture behind you is uh, there's I a the little one shown there, but there's.
1: I'll show you the full
0: picture. Uh, so, those are your the, triplets.
1: Uh, here. <laughs> These are yeah. triplets of mine. Yeah. Uh, they're now a little bit older, a lot older. Yeah. Uh, it's part of where you're from, Tammy. I'm looking over there, you know, uh, at what looks like the golden city of Vancouver, if I'm not. Yes,
0: right. it is
1: the most magical city. What a gateway between West and East. What a, you know, what incredible air quality. And uh, that picture is uh, shot not too far from you, just behind the Whistler ski resort.
0: Oh, fantastic.
1: Ready to fill a bunch of buckets for blueberries. The only problem is you take one year old toddlers, blueberry picking, not much gets in the bucket. Most of it.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, so you know coming back to the VC ecosystem right now I mean you've you've been in the business for uh, many years you've accomplished a lot of things how would you describe today's tech environment like what what you, you've got a really good pulse on this so I really want to
1: sort of it's like Facebook you know you have the ability of saying it's complicated well I, I think that that's as good a short answer is you're going to get, mm. on the, or maybe it's the Dickensian, right? Like the best of times and the worst of times mm. it really depends on whether you are managing a portfolio or you're about ready to start building a portfolio. Mm. So if you're managing a portfolio, you've just come through a pretty difficult year in uh, 22 yeah. NASDAQ was down 33%. There are a bunch of global challenges ranging from supply chain to energy crisis to a horrible war in the middle of Europe. Uh, And what's happened to tech companies, both public and private, is that their valuations have really been uh, cratered, right? In other words, if if the NASDAQ index was down 33%, there were tons of companies that were down 50, 60, 70, 80% and more, Mm. which doesn't make people so happy when they're holding these companies. Some of the companies deserved it. A lot of them really didn't. But Mm. in general, the overall metrics of the venture capital arena changed, right? The multiples by which we value a company, which in the public market had, you know, still to a large extent been uh, profit or earnings based. In the venture market, most companies don't have earnings. So you, you know, usually do multiples of revenue or multiples of what you call ARR or annual recurring revenue rates. And those just, you know, came down hard because the public comps came down hard. So that's one part of it. But the second part is, you know, we're buyers, right? We, every year at our crowd, raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of new capital for both new investments in new companies, as well as uh, additional rounds in our existing portfolio. And boy, everything's on sale okay Mm. it's a great time to be buying Mm. and if you understand sort of the most complicated thing about uh you know buying into companies private or public which is buy cheap and sell high
0: yeah
1: we're in a great opportunity now and that's been true by the way you know through at least the 40 years i've been in this business which is that uh you know a crisis is a terrible thing to waste okay the uh the fact that there are lots of good companies that are now on sale i think makes it very attractive now you know the beginning of 23 looks a little different right nasdaq up yep roughly 10 percent or so you know plus minus it's bouncing all over the place good luck in terms of figuring out which whether yep. in the beginning of a v or the dreaded l or the u or you know
0: yeah, yeah. The whole
1: alphabet soup of what these recoveries may they come speedily in our days are going to look like, but um, it's really, you know, both of those elements. And so part of me loves this time because it's a really interesting time to invest. But, you know, part of me is, is sweating. Okay. Because we've got to make sure that these companies get funded to take their licks in terms of, you know, the dreaded down rounds, which, you know, happen when you, have uh, funded a company at a certain value, and then in the private market, you have to bring that price down. It's not pretty. Okay. So, you know, what we do in our crowd is we have 220,000 actually today, uh, investors who come from all over the world. And we're sort of teaching them the ropes about venture capital. What we do is we select deals on a very, very careful basis. We typically choose about 2% of those deals that we look at. So for every 50 companies we uh, check out, we choose one. We invest as principal investors, put our own money, you know, where our mouth or our website is at ourcrowd.com, And then we open it to the crowd. Now, the crowd has to be what are called sophisticated or professional, or in the US, they call them accredited investors, according to SEC or whatever security regulatory environment you come from. Yep. And then you can invest and actually choose your own startups for $10,000 or funds, which we have 42 of them now, mm-hmm. uh, where you can make a $50,000 investment. So, uh, you know, a lot of these people are, are very excited and we're excited to have them. But this downturn is new for them and they are getting an education um, we are, you know, doing actually rather well through the crisis in terms of our companies. We we focused early on making sure they, you know, had as, as significant cash reserves as they could have. Some of them, you know, failed in that regard. Most of them seem to be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're, we're in there in the trenches with them, raising new money, you know, helping them, uh, you know, trim their costs because the, you know, easiest money yep. you raise is what you save on your burn rate yes uh uh, so we're working
0: Hmm. so you know you've been in the industry for 40 years now and uh what would you say you know just what what would you say the key things are for a venture capital investor to be super mindful of uh just like the key takeaways that you've learned yourself. I mean, you've, you've backed personally or through your, through your platforms, over 400 companies. So you've seen a lot. So what, what are, what what are the best things that you look for? And what are the things that you've seen take down companies at the end of the day?
1: Well, It's sort of like real estate where they say that what are the three rules of real estate, you know, location, location, location in, uh, in venture capital, location isn't that critical. Although it's good to be investing in a good place that has a good legal system and a you know good ecosystem and whatnot. But what's important, really, the three rules are people, people, people. And especially if you're an investor who's investing in the early stage in a company before the company has developed a product, you don't have you know profit and loss statement that you can analyze. You don't have all kinds of metrics, you're, you know, you can look at the idea, you know, is it addressing a big market? That's important. You can look at the technology that the team brings to the bear. Certainly in Israel, where about half of our investments are made, we don't lack from technology. And that's usually not the the risk factor that will bite you in the behind when you get in Mm -hmm. trouble. You know, you want to look at the go-to-market and their business model and the product market fit But that is stuff that you can often, you know, pivot into over time. The big issue is who are these people? Okay, are they people of high ethical quality? Are they fun to work with? Are they passionate? Are they knowledgeable? You know, are they a mensch, you know, a a gentleman? You know, are they the kind of people that you want to get at least married to for probably five or 10 or more years? Because really, you know, maybe it's a in my case, certainly a large plural marriage, and I'm married to a bunch of them. But the reality is that, you know, we're, we're engaged in a serious way and it's very hard to separate, not impossible, okay? There is divorce options and those are always a mess and problematic and one of my least favorite, you know, parts of this business, but it's always about the people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when things go wrong, it's usually either... Uh, another investor goes nuts, so that we call investor dysfunction syndrome, or it's the CEO, founder goes nuts, and that's founder, you know, dysfunction syndrome. But the real, you know, fatal disease is running out of money.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? In
1: other words, you can fix almost anything. You can bring gotcha. a new CEO in, you can pivot the company, you can hire a new marketing person, you can make a deal with this distributor, you can do all kinds of things. You can raise more money at a down or up round. But when you run out of money, you're out of luck. And yeah. so, you know, in today's market where it became it went from being, you know, as bullish a tech investment market as we've ever seen in history, hmm. you know, during the yep. 2020, 2021 uh, you know, Very. pandemic everything peaked like crazy to a significantly more difficult environment in 2022 and 2022 was really a tale of two years in one because the first two quarters looked like 2021 and it Mm. was the second two quarters that really fell off, uh, the ledge. And, uh, you know, so when you look at the numbers, for example, in terms of venture investments in my country in Israel, it went down from about 26 billion in in 21 was an extraordinary number. Mm. Down to about 15 and a half billion in 2022. That doesn't sound so bad, it's only 30 or 40% down, which is the way that most of the world markets were down in terms of uh, both you know uh, indices on the public markets as well as venture investment. But it doesn't tell the full story of how dr- dramatic the drop was in Q3 and Q4. So mm-hmm. we're feeling a little bit more tailwind pushing us forward in the beginning of this year. I think people are realizing maybe the world is not coming to an end and that, you know, the sky is not falling and that it really depends in our business about having the proper time frame of reference. We don't invest for next week or next month or next quarter or even next year. When you're a venture investor investing in startups, you're really taking a five and 10 year view of things. Mm. That's why venture capital funds are typically set up between eight and 10 years. And, and the earlier that you're investing in the stage of the company, if you're doing what's called seed investing or series A investing, it'll take you 10 years. Yeah. Okay. It could take longer. Mm-hmm. You have to be patient, right? Mm. Uh, and uh, you have to work at it. In other words, the most important thing in our investing is it's not about stock picking right you can be a great stock picker and there are people in the public market or activists but they're a minority yes right yeah. whereas in our business if you're not an activist you're probably dumb money okay yeah. it's not about just dumping some money in some guys and say via condio see at the exit good luck yeah that's not gonna make you a, a good strategy
0: yeah you have to well in your role uh and your platform is you have to be part of the ecosystem and you have to be really helping open doors and do everything you can to try to, you know, help the, help company, the company add company. value.
1: You, you yeah. must. And, yeah. and by the way, that's the basis by which you get access for the good deals, right? The mm. the power over the last several years has really shifted a lot to the founders and the entrepreneurs mm. uh, because there was so much money available in the low interest, you know, years and what right. almost yeah. holds, but, Basically, they were able to do beauty contests, okay, among the VCs and say, what can you do for me? How are Mm. you going to help me raise more money? How much reserve do you have for your future investment? Mm. Who can you help bring to my board? Who can you help recruit, you know, in key roles? Mm. What kind of, you know, corporate relationships are really, you know, core to your business where you can make more than just a a name introduction? So
0: strategic capital, strategic capital.
1: Yeah. It's part, It's the definition of smart money, and I'll give you yeah. something else, which is, again, wild to talk about it, you know, uh, in public, because people say, what's he talking about? The reality is that in the private markets and venture capital, there is no such thing as inside information or inside, there's no prohibition, Correct. right? So It's almost the opposite. If you don't have insider information, you're probably dumb money. <laughs> OK, in other words, yeah. and you don't want to be dumb money, right? Sure. In other words, that's why you do your due diligence. That's why you, you know, check into these companies. You pick up the phone, you know, you call, uh, uh, you know, people who worked with the team. You in this country, we make a joke about due diligence because everybody knows who your kindergarten teacher was. But sometimes we've lost her phone number and we have to ask you for it. <laughs> okay that's you know that's the level of diligence because everybody knows each other it's very highly yes. In society. yes
0: we're just going to take a moment uh take a break here and we'll be right back with john medved of our crowd want to know how canada's top entrepreneurs think about creating significant wealth join me thane stinner founder of Stenner wealth partners at cg wealth management and host of the smart wealth podcast download today at iHeartRadio or your favorite podcast platform subscribe now Welcome back everybody. We're with uh, my guest John Nedved of Our Crowd. He's the CEO and founder. Uh, getting right back into questions with him. Looking ahead from today, going ahead the next, you know, 5 plus years, what do you believe are the sectors that offer the most promising, uh, let me rephrase that, uh, promising in investor uh, venture capital uh, it's like saying guaranteed returns. So uh, pass on that.
1: You're you're, your, you're asking me sort of like in that famous movie, The Graduate. Yes. When, uh, Dustin Hoffman was talking to this guy at the pool party, and he said, "Plastics." Okay.
0: <laughs> exactly. So is it food uh, tech? Is it AI? Is it you know what 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 would
1: your energy? like where, uh, where all, did you... all, all of those are are are, are red hot but i want to make a more general comment which is you never really know okay that uh, you know sectors come in and out of favor pretty darn fast yeah sometimes the same sector goes yeah. up and down in a matter of months look at crypto okay yes. crypto is what you're not in crypto what you're in crypto i mean you know good luck depending upon yeah. Who you're talking to and when, it's up and down. You look at uh, the uh, autonomous driving. There was a period there in the late teens, you know, about five years ago, yep. when everybody was expecting that, certainly by now, we'd all be driven autonomously. No question about it. It's going to mm. happen. Mm. And we saw how that worked out, and we'll be lucky if by the end of the decade, we're really there and i'm not saying that there's we're interested we're very interested in mobility we've got a great number of companies hmm. but it goes up and down cannabis is another one you guys in canada you know how there was the enormous green rush and now yes. it's the green doom crush. You know? <laughs>
0: yeah. the green crush <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. yes <laughs> so you know uh what what that indicates though is the need to be diversified across sectors so mm-hmm. my advice to people who are trying to do this kind of investing is don't just pick one sector or two. Diversify across a bunch of them, because some of these will go up and some of them will go down just the way individual companies are. You want a lot of shots on goal. And, uh, you know, we're we're big believers in food tech. Turns out that Israel now is right after the U.S., the second uh most active country in the world in terms of alternative protein more money invested here than the entire european union and they're about 600 million uh, you know in that uh conglomerate about 10 million here so that's a pretty uh you know significant uh activity here we're big believers in ai everything you know you don't have to be a fan of chat gpt but Oh my gosh, it's, you know, AI is changing every industry. And yes, the robots are coming. I don't believe they're uh, at the moment angry or mad. I don't think they are really worry about at the moment, but, but it's coming and you've got to be ready for it. And, you know, it was interesting at my conference, I asked a big hall of over a thousand people. I said, how many hands here show me know what GPT stands for? I got two. It's, it's try it out on some of your guests. You well, know, actually, what,
0: actually, so share, to be honest with you, I don't know what that stands for. What does that stand for?
1: stands for generative pre-trained transformator or transformator, okay? Mm. Ask me to explain what that actually
0: was. <laughs> <laughs> for only that, only... I've got
1: data scientists. Look, one of the funniest parts of this summit is I get uh, something called the pre-summit show where I get to pretend to be a sort of talk, Show host, or like the old, you know, Jay Leno or
0: yeah, yeah, John
1: Carson. Um, I'm aging myself here clearly. Or dating not Ed Sullivan. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm <laughs> but the bottom line is that And one of the things I do is I show a bunch of uh, companies uh, that we said were from our our baby tech lab, Labs Zero Zero, and the audience was had to figure out what was real and what was fake. And uh, we discovered this company called uh, Data Science for Toddlers, whose, uh, you know, tagline was, it's never too early to get your toddler started on the road to MIT. And everybody was convinced that that was, you know, some kind of a cute joke. And it turns out it's a real company. Go look it up. Data Science for Toddlers. Start your babies with Data Science. Maybe that's a good idea. I don't know. My, my kids haven't started yet with data science.
0: <laughs> well, so the, so, you know, looking at the picture of your, of your triplet grandkids behind you there, just maybe paint a visionary picture of what life will be different, like 10 years out. Just well, a little I, bit of a dream, not a prediction, just some thoughts. Sure.
1: Um. I think we'll be eating a lot more different kind of foods. We're finding a real change in the way that food is being produced. Agriculture is gonna go through some significant changes. And I think for the better. Uh, I think climate tech is getting a lot of attention. And I, I believe that many of the solutions to the sort of nasty and scary weather and droughts and things we're seeing are in the technology Arena. Hmm. Um, I think that our energy situation is going to get, God willing, better. It's going to take a little while, but we're making good progress on fusion. We're investing in it. Good progress in green hydrogen, good progress in grid software and in energy storage, which is critical. And not just, you know, EV batteries, but, you know, we've got a company that's storing water underground and using the earth's pressure to generate energy as it gets pumped out again with, Hmm. you know, um, so that there's all kinds of things that are going to change in that area. I think that um, AI is going to eliminate a lot of jobs and create new ones. I think that the smart universities are not trying to prevent their students from using chat GPT and similar products but rather encouraging them to use them because to the extent that they can get up to speed on that technology, they're going to have an advantage. Mm. Uh, I think that quantum computing is going to become real. We are, I saw yesterday, one of my companies demonstrate for the first time a uh, quantum encryption link hooked up to one of the world's leading routers. Okay, and it mm. works. And that's mm. very important so that bad guys can't steal our data. Mm. That's a you know, I think that cybersecurity is going to continue to be this cat and mouse game, which is gonna generate a lot of returns for investors here in Israel. Actually, 40 cents of every dollar invested globally is invested in Israeli cybersecurity, probably our our strongest suit here. Mm. Um, I think that healthcare is going to be changed like. Wild. I I was this morning with one of my CEOs in a healthcare company that is basically uh, using AI to help discover drugs. And they have a huge contract with uh, Pfizer and now with five other of the 10 major uh, pharma companies. So this is going to make pharmaceuticals more available at cheaper prices and quicker. You know, there's huge amounts of personalization going on in the healthcare area where we have companies that are preventing prescription malfeasance so that someone doesn't hook you up to a, you know, infusion pump and put the wrong drug in you, which unfortunately happens altogether too much, or even Mm. just give you the wrong prescription to fill from your pharmacy. Mm. Uh, We have companies that are working on how to uh, essentially predict which immunotherapy is gonna be effective for you to make cancer therapy more effective. We have a publicly traded company that has graduated you know, and exited for us called Alpha Tau. We're making radioactive coated darts, okay, that literally can be shot into a solid tumor and have very interesting uh, you know, clinical results and it just goes on and on i i am a i'm a i'm a real look if you're not an optimist you shouldn't be a venture capitalist mm. it's not a it's it's very hard to make money on shorting in the, in the venture capital world
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah
1: but the bottom line is that i i i really do believe that there's a lot of uh a lot of technology, which we're going to see develop over the next 10 years, remarkable amounts of technology Mm. that will do well for many investors, uh, but will do well for the planet. And I think that increasingly, we're seeing double bottom line investing where people are investing not just for a monetary return, but for a social and a a do good return. So Mm. when you invest, In a company, for example, that has got a new energy storage solution, or we have a company called Blue Green Water Technology, which attacks toxic algal blooms, which affects so many of our lakes and rivers. You know, beautiful, pristine lakes are dying because they've got this algae, which people can't seem to get rid of. And this Mm. company has figured out a way to do it. Literally, a matter of days, it cleans up, it becomes a, a, a carbon capture you know, elements. So it takes carbon out out of the environment and it lets people drink it and swim in it again. You know, so when you invest in this company, which by the way, has got millions of dollars of revenue and is growing quite nicely, thank you. On the one hand, yes, you're. I think you're doing well for your, you know, potentially, you know, risk factors uh, included, you know, in your portfolio. But it's funny, you know, I, I had some people who saw some of these companies on stage And in particular, after one company, which was about the most meaningful moment at the summit we just had, where a guy got up on stage, one of the CEOs, and told a story about his company, which makes 3D surgical visualization software that allows you to see inside the brain or inside the body to both do patient education, but more importantly, surgical planning and practice and they actually use it in the operating room. And he told this story about a kid who had a horrible tumor on his pelvis, which was really hard to uh, Access. operate on. And they were worried that they'd have, to, they'd have to lose his leg or all kinds of horrible things. And he said, with this software, this this child is is now better, let's bring him out. And so the kid comes out with uh, a soccer ball and he's kicking it, looks fine. And he says, this is wonderful. You know how did your family get access to this wild sort of next generation technology? He goes, well, my father arranged it for me. And he said, wait, is your father somewhere here in the, in the audience? And he points to him and says, yeah, you're my dad. So it turns out that the CEO's son had his life essentially saved
0: by that technology.
1: technology. There was not a dry eye in the house. It was like, and, and, and that, I think tells this story Hmm. about how you can do good and make money at the same time. And I had somebody afterwards come up to me and said, look, you know, my portfolio is looking good with you. I know we've been through a difficult year, but I'll tell you after that, you know what, even if you don't make me money, good on you. Okay. This is, this is important stuff that we're doing together. And so what we're trying to achieve at our crowd is to build a community global community, which is, I think, in itself uh, an important statement where you have, you know, people from all over. And especially this year, it was really cool because we had this huge delegation from our neighbors in Abu Dhabi and Dubai and Morocco bringing startups. And you see the children of Abraham, okay, getting together, not to argue and to fight, God forbid, but to provide an inspiration to the world of people who can settle their differences and then go on to innovate together. And that Mm. was really moving for me as well.
0: Mm. So 40 years in this business, when you first started out till now, are you shocked with kind of where the world has gone from when you first started?
1: No, I'm I'm just, the only thing that shocks me is how quickly it's gone. I mean, how, Mm. how did this happen? how did 40 years pass? Okay. It seemed like yesterday. Mm. And I think the challenge is to get up every morning and, you know, hit the day with sort of a spring, you know, sometimes by the way, it's like, I feel like that old movie. And uh, was it all that jazz where the guy had to, you know, take the (laughs) the pills and slap his face and say, showtime, you know, uh, I, I got a little bit of that, but, I'll tell you the um the neat thing about my business is the the fact that you're expected to reinvent yourself all the time. Mm. That you're constantly learning. And I think that's a lesson that we all have to take into account today, that you can't just be trained for one job and one skill set 40 or 50 years ago and just keep doing it. You gotta, you know, you gotta adapt, you gotta be adaptable, you gotta be into reinvention. And it's, you know look back when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s it was forever young brother okay and I, I I believe that my uh the reason I'm in the tech business at all is because of my late father Dr David Medved who was a remarkable man who grew up in the south side of Philly in the Jewish ghetto Jewish Italian and Irish hmm. okay uh, he went to you know public school got his PhD in physics at Penn, and then he moved out to California to be a rocket scientist and a surfer in San Diego. And that's where I was born. I I had a, you know, quite a nice California upbringing. Um, And my father, you know, lured me into his, one of his several startups that was uh, focused on fiber optic communication. And, you know, he's. I said, Dad, I didn't study science. I, I have no background in physics. I, What do I know about any of this stuff? And he goes, don't worry, I'll teach you. And even without me, you'd learn it on your own. And he sort of was always this model of really great work-life balance. You know, at, at, at three in the afternoon, we'd be working hard on like a RFP to get a, a bid in. And he would say, Sonny, it's time to go to the beach. Okay, we had my, our office was in Santa Monica so he would just like take the hour and we'd go swimming okay and we'd come back refreshed and you know we'd turn up his loud classical music and walk around in his you know skivvies or something he was (laughs) like my father was quite the the amazing man and um, you know he sold his last company uh, when he was in his mid-70s And uh, he went to work as the chief scientist of the company that bought him in optical communications. And he worked until the week before he died. And the week before he died, we had a big birthday party for him because he was 83. And it was, uh, in our tradition, we believe you get a second bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah is 13 years old. Okay, you're supposed to live 70 years old. That was what King David live so at 83, you got a second chance. We had this big party for my dad. And what was he doing at this party? Which turned out to be a week before he passed away. He was walking around pitching investors on his next startup. <laughs> he was ready <laughs> to do it again. And, you know, we put on his uh, gravestone, <inaudible> which means um, you will be fertile, in old age, and you'll be fresh and renewed. Okay, in other words, that the idea is not to give in to getting old. It's Mm -hmm. not about age, it's about how you think about your attitude. And uh, this industry that we're in, in terms of investing, and especially investing in startups that are driven by technology, it's a huge blessing. It's a blessing to be working with people who are committed it's a blessing to be working on companies that can do good things. It's a blessing to be creating jobs. People mm-hmm. should realize that when you're a business person, you're not some kind of a corrupt jerk who's trying to steal money from people, but you're a partner with God in terms of creating value and fixing the world. you know and uh, I, I, I feel very privileged to be living in a renewed state of Israel, which is the startup nation it's doing so much of this. And I hope that like my dad, I'll be able to, you know, go out, you know, full, full, full gas.
0: Well, you know what, John, that is a beautiful way of a, a honoring your father, uh, which is very good. And it sounds like he was a brilliant man. And it sounds like he did keep very active right till the end, which is amazing, right? It's remarkable, and. And you, as his son, uh, it's inspiring you to to this day. So uh, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool to hear. So any last tidbits? I've got a fire truck going by in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Don't <laughs> hear it. I'm twenty. Uh, yeah, twenty three stories up, but it still sounds. Um, any last tidbits you'd like to share? Just in the last few minutes together.
1: Look, I I think that there there's a growing realization that individual investors have to get access to alternative assets, right? There's always been this argument, is it 60, 40 bonds and equities, 40, 60, 50, 50, but they leave out the whole alternative space. Yes. And it turns out that the really smart money in the world understands what alts can do for your portfolio. The problem is it's been hard to get access because, mm. you know, you take venture capital, which is perhaps the most esoteric, you know, of the alternative asset classes. It's about, who do you know? How do I get into this deal? They speak a different language. They talk about preferred stock and liquidation preferences and these things that, you know, you're not getting that information on Reddit. Okay. It's, like it's, it's not happening, Correct. you know? So the, what's happening though is that more and more individual investors are getting into venture capital through platforms like our crowd that more and more individual investors are getting into private equity and by the way we're starting to launch products there which are like baskets of the 50 largest private equity funds okay which are mm-hmm. interesting and these are not for you know the minimums that used to be, necessary in this asset class right if you went to a you know big and impressive venture capital fund and assuming they were even willing to have the conversation they'd say okay well our minimum is 10 million dollars well that's good if you got that kind of money but even many of your listeners that's still aspirational and you don't want yeah. to over indicate to this class okay right. it is you know it is a little bit on the risk uh uh accepted yeah. side yep. but the bottom line is that I think there's this wave coming of the rise of the private investor who is now going to go not just continue to be, you know, educated and uh, access public markets and access bonds. and But they're going to be increasingly doing more of these alts. And we hope that our crowd will be able to, you know, help people along on this journey, give them a good access to interesting deals, try to educate them. So they make their own decisions, but, you know, work with, with, uh, hopefully trusted people who, you know, are, are, are trying their best to deliver results and to deliver, you know, insight into what's a pretty fascinating part of the investment world.
0: Very well said, John. And, uh, I want to th- personally, thank you for taking the time. I know you've had a particularly busy week after your, your summit and, uh, various uh single malts uh, that have been (laughs) partaken but uh thank you for taking this time i know it's the evening there um this has been an absolute pleasure interviewing you and thank you for sharing your your thoughts and your wisdom with our our, with our audience
1: thank you thank it was fun
0: absolutely well that was uh with my guest john medved uh, the founder and ceo of our crowd uh coming to us from uh, israel Uh, which was a fascinating interview, and I I really, really enjoyed it. Our next guest is Steve Sidwell, who's the CEO and co-founder of Nexi, which is a very exciting uh, company that's become Canada's largest unicorn company in a little bit over three years. So it's actually one of the fastest growing companies out there. So I get to interview him in March, so please do listen in. Thank you very much. The comments expressed in this podcast are the results of work done by Stenner Wealth Partners. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity Corp and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice and under no circumstances should be construed as a solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or general needs of any particular person, organization, or institution. Canaccord is a member of the CIPF.